What's going on, college hoops heads? This is another episode of the One and Done podcast with Stephen Bagel and John Simpson. I am one half of your host, Stephen Bagel. I am here with the other half of our host, my better half in terms of podcasting, John Simpson. John, how are you doing today? Yeah, I appreciate it as always. I'm doing good, man. It's kind of late night recording. I'm watching some basketball tonight, but uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Just do it. You know, I, I think the late night recording actually works out pretty well because we kind of see the game. Obviously, there were some 11 o'clock games that happened this morning, but, you know, we could kind of see the results of the games that happened previously that day. So I don't mind the late night recording all that much. But I will say to the audience, happy Feast Week. Feast Week has began. It started with the Champions Classic the other day, which, of course, we're going to get into. Um, So... Yeah, let me go into this. John, I am. I was asked to participate as one of the voters in the Everything College Basketball Weekly poll that they do, where obviously it's not the AP poll, it's not as prestigious, but it's me and I think nine or ten other voters. Obviously, we just had a week where Duke lost to Arizona. This is obviously pre. Um, Pre-Champions Classic. I had Kansas as my number one. Then followed by Purdue, Tennessee, Marquette. Arizona 5 and Duke 6. I'll just get my top 10 and then we'll talk about it. UConn and Creighton 7-8, Texas A&M 9, Houston 10. So this was obviously going into Monday morning when I published or when I posted these rankings for the Everything College Basketball Top 25. Duke obviously has beaten Michigan State. Where do we rank them at this point? I mean, for me personally, I don't think that the Arizona loss does a whole lot to where I have Duke ranked. Or how I see Duke as a team overall. Um, It's not like they got blown out or anything like that. Arizona's a good team. Arizona's kind of shown us that they're a good team, I think, ever since then. Uh, They had a nice bounce back win over Michigan State. Um, so Duke's definitely a top five team for me. I know, you know, with the one loss that, you know, you have to kind of give them a little bit of a knock there, but, uh, Duke is still a top five basketball team for me. Um, I guess, you know, I'd probably at this point, if I was a voter, I would probably put them behind Arizona, behind Kansas, Purdue, and uh, I don't know if there's another team in Marquette. I'd probably put them out of Marquette. What about Tennessee? So maybe fifth. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I had them six before the win, yeah. State, or win against Michigan State. So, okay, overall thoughts on Duke. Uh, you had them as your preseason champ. Has anything changed since then? No. Okay. Okay. Michigan State, I am a tad bit more concerned about. Obviously, these two teams met in the Champions Classic. Michigan State, I believe, is shooting like 4 of 44, which is what? 9% from three this year? I mean, I, I know it's a small sample size. But if you're a Michigan State fan, are you concerned at all? I, I think we need to get Kevin back on here to talk about Michigan State's. 
But I, I think I, I think I'm concerned outside of Purdue with the Big Ten in general. Yeah, I think there's probably a legitimate cause for concern. Four for forty-four is bad. I mean, obviously, it's, it's bad. Something like that. I don't quote me on that, but I know at one point yeah. they were four forty-four. Um, you know, you got to think. Well, you can still say, well, it's just a few games, you know. But they're what they're one and two right now. Michigan State. Yep. Um, yeah, with one of the losses being the Duke, which you, know, you can't really dock them too hard on that, but. Um, for them not to be able to shoot the ball from three, uh, like how much better do you think it can really get? You know, it's just like a team that we thought was going to be shooting the eyes out of it anyway. So, you know, obviously there's probably going to be some regression towards the mean, but um, still, I, you know, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that it's not a it's not a great scoring team. You know, uh, Marchizo seems like a different from November is uh, historically anyway, you know, so it's still a team. I think they could be uh, impactful towards the end of the season, but um, yeah, if I'm a Michigan state fan, I'm nervous. So let's, let's talk about the, the landscape of the big 10 then. Purdue. I, I have no worries about at all. They look great through the first three games, although they haven't really played any, Stiff comp. We're going to get a good look at Purdue at Maui starting on Monday because that field is loaded. That's something we're going to talk about either tonight's episode or Saturday's episode. But Tennessee beat Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin got killed by Providence. I love this Wisconsin team. We said that Tennessee and Wisconsin game was my Super Bowl. Now you have Michigan State, who's one and two, Wisconsin, who's one and two, Maryland. Didn't I wouldn't say bad losses, but Maryland lost two very easily winnable games. Maryland is now one and two. Ohio State, I know they lost to AM, but just overall the landscape of the Big Ten does not look that good right now in terms of as a conference. No, which again, uh, you know, Ohio State to Texas AM. Like that's not a bad. That's not a loss that's going to hurt them at the end of the season. No. I think you know when you're looking at uh, the field of sixty four. I still like that Ohio State team. I think it's a team that's going to uh, is going to be at the top of the Big Ten now. Uh, another team that we haven't really talked about a whole lot, and I don't think that we were real high on going into the season, is Minnesota, who's two and zero, uh, and they're up. Uh, let's see. I'm watching it right now. They're up seventeen on Missouri right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know that's going to be yours, you know, and uh, Dawson Garcia has been playing really well. Um, I had a big game from Cam Christie, the freshman the other night. So, uh, so maybe Minnesota. Minnesota's a, a job that we thought was going to be up for grabs at the end of the year. I was say, maybe Minnesota wins the Big Ten with the way it's going. Yeah. But, okay. Wisconsin, same thing as you said about Ohio State losing to A&M, it's not really a loss that's going to hurt them. I mean, they lost to Tennessee, and they lost to Providence. I mean, those, in my eyes, are Tennessee was my pick to win the national championship this year, and Providence, I think, is firmly in the field of 68 as of now, and they should be in the field of 68 at the end of the year. So Wisconsin didn't really suffer losses that hurt them that much. Maryland, though, losses to Davidson and UAB. They could be worse. They probably will end up being quad two losses at the end of the year. 
but still not ideal for Maryland at all. Um, before we shift gears to somewhere else outside of the Big Ten, James Madison is ranked. Obviously, the big win was over Michigan State. They beat Kent State, and they had one other win I am blanking on the third team they beat. I think it was Monmouth or so, some team like that. But what do you think? Well-deserved? They're ranked for the first time in school history. Wow, I'm, I'm kind of sure it was the first time in school history. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's well-deserved. I did see a, a stat. I think they're one of, what is it, six NCAA Division One teams that are ranked in both football and basketball right now. Well, I guess Texas, Tennessee, James Madison. Is Duke still ranked in football? No. No? I don't think uh, so. No, those are three that I could think of. You know, college football is in my strongest suit. Let me pull it up real quick. Alabama. Uh, Alabama's not ranked in basketball. Are they not? Uh, they might. Let me see. Yeah, Arizona's one. They're 22nd. I apologize. Is Arizona ranked in football? Yeah, 19th. Ooh. What about Kansas? Isn't Kansas have a good year this year? Yeah, they're in not ranked. They're not no. ranked there. Okay. So, yeah, that's five of them. Miami, A&M? Is it A&M? Might be A&M. No, it's not A&M either. USC, I know Caleb Williams is struggling a little bit. Kansas State. Kansas State's not ranked in basketball. They're not. No. I'm looking at the rankings right now. Yeah. Especially after that. Somebody's going to be listening to this and yelling about their team at the screen. Uh yeah, okay, well, it was a fun exercise. I think it's A&M is a 6-1, I would guess, under my head. But good for James Madison. I mean, James Madison just, I think yesterday they was the appeal or whatever to be bowl eligible, and they got denied. So that's a shame. I don't think they 10-0, I think. Yeah. College football. Yep. And yeah. basketball, I, I would love to see the Sun Belt become a two-bid two big league we talked last episode about potentially the Missouri Valley being a two-bid league with Drake and Bradley and Northern Iowa getting two of those squads in. What about the Sun Belt? Like, if they lose a conference championship, what if James Madison gets an ball? I'd love to see it. They'd have to. I mean, honestly, you think if they keep it up towards the end of the year and they just happen to get upset in the tournament, they would have to get the two-bid, right? I think so. I mean... FAU made Conference USA a too big too oh no FAU won the Conference USA last year so but they would have had they lost to like UAB North Texas one of them they would have gotten an at large um, and Charleston I think would have gotten an at large had they lost the now Coastal Athletic Conference no longer Colonial yeah so I think his Madison would be able to um, Friday in review. We already talked about Arizona beating Duke. We talked about Tennessee beating Wisconsin. We mentioned AM beating Ohio State. Virginia over Florida. BYU over San Diego State. This one, I know BYU was favored. I don't think we talked enough about BYU on the offseason. Because my rationale was, oh, they finished six in the West Coast, and now they're in the Big 12. There's no way they're going to be competitive. They might make the tournament, BYU. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think one of us had a bold prediction that like seven teams would get in from the Big 12, and there would be an eighth wild card Big 12 team that we can't predict right now that gets in. That team might be BYU. Yeah, it really might be. And they've got some good, you know, uh, Facini Traore, I think, is having, is having a really good year. And he was dominating against San Diego State. Um, you know, Ali Khalifa came. He's a transfer from Charlotte. He hasn't done a whole lot this year. They've got some uh, – they've got a deep bench. There's got, there's a lot of guys on that team that are getting minutes. Uh, Trevor Nail, Dalen Hall, you know, Spencer Johnson. That's a pretty good team. Yeah. They're holding their own. I think they're going to be what we were kind of anticipating from, like, Cincinnati in the Big 12 this year. And that's a good thing for them. Duquesne over Charleston, I'll mention. Not a big deal, really. Asheville, we talked about Clemson beating UAB and then Davidson to win the Asheville championship. I'm still super high on Clemson. I actually think at this point I put them above Virginia in the um, ACC hierarchy. I think they're the fourth-best team. Especially speaking of ACC, Wake Forest lost to Georgia on Friday. Virginia did beat Florida, however. Gonzaga beat Yale. Northwestern beat Dayton, who just had a huge win today against LSU, which we'll talk about. And Memphis over Missouri. And now Missouri is losing to Minnesota. And all of a sudden, Missouri's tournament hopes are starting to dwindle quickly, unless all of a sudden they have like a winning record in the SEC. Yeah, that's not a good look for Missouri. Um, we were we were kind of high on Missouri, I think, just based off of Coach Gates. And, uh, you know, I think they've been doing really well um, on the, you know, on the recruiting trail. Um, so it's kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, you kind of, wonder about some of the depth in the SEC, I think, this year. I mean, I think we haven't really talked about that a whole lot. But um, they're coming back a little bit on Minnesota. Wake Forest is up on Utah, 54-53. It's close. For what it's worth, I did have Missouri in my first four out in my bracketology that I updated Monday morning. Um, Obviously, that's going to change with the loss to Minnesota. They probably drop out completely. But that, that's why I had them going into the week. Saturday, not a whole lot to, you know, if you UNC Wilmington beat UNC Asheville handily. We both really like this UNC Wilmington team. We probably could agree that they're a top five mid-major program this year. Bradley, again, also a top five mid-major program this year. They beat our guy Darius Brown in Utah State in a pretty tight game. Sunday, not a whole lot to talk about. I will mention... That Weber State upset St. Mary's. I love Dylan Jones. I know he ended up being invited to the NBA Combine last year, but that dude is good. Oh, I was saying Dylan Jones is a bucket man. He's he's a good. He's he's great. I saw. I know that he got. He like you said he got invited last year to the NBA Combine, right? And, I think the biggest issue with Dylan Jones, and again, I don't want to go on an NBA draft tangent, especially we're going to talk about that with some of the Kentucky guys in this episode, but typically, do you remember, I'd say, not even 10 years ago, I'd say probably seven, eight years ago, do you remember when being a tweener was considered a bad thing, when a guy was in between positions and he didn't really have, like, one position that you could clarify him as? And then kind yeah. of over the years, being a tweener meant that you're versatile in today's NBA. 
and became a positive. Dylan yeah. Jones reminds me of a tweener seven years ago where sort of a negative because you just don't know where he's going to play for an NBA team. Right. Yeah. Because he's a big man for Weber, but I don't really think he's well, would he's, be six, a, six. he's listed at six six. I don't know if he's six six or not. Which means he's probably shorter than six six if he's listed at six six. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might be talking six four, six five. Um, you know, like you said, is he a guard and uh, is he an NBA guard? Is he a you know a small wing? Yeah. Uh, so that that's something that he's going to have to prove, and maybe that's why he's back at Weber State and didn't stay in the draft last year. Yeah. But otherwise, Weber State obviously knocked off St. Mary's, and St. Mary's went from ranked to unranked due to that. Boise State beat your squad, San Fran and Mongolian Mike, and your squad, Nevada, beat Washington. So that was all Sunday. Monday is when the fun started. The Gavet Games, Gavet, I never know how to pronounce it. Um, They started. Michigan beat handily St. John's. St. John's couldn't play a lick of defense. And Michigan's another team we didn't really talk about much this offseason. I mean, everyone was long Michigan. And all of a sudden, they beat St. John's, and they're, what, 3-0 now? Yeah. I was, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I was low on Michigan. I didn't think that they were going to have a whole lot going into the season. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking that maybe Juwan Howard's on his way out. Uh, that might be a program with a lot of turnover after this year. Well, to be fair, Juan Howard's not coaching right now either. It's Bill Martelli. So maybe yeah. it's a different by subtraction. I mean, it might be, you know? There's only one way to find out. Howard, I believe, will be coaching in the next few weeks, though. He's recovering some some type of surgery that he received. Um, but Michigan beat St. John's handily in the Givet games. Purdue beat Xavier handily. Big one, though, is UPenn beat Villanova. And, John, we talked about this stat earlier today before we were recording. And Jay Wright's last, I think, it was 10 years of coaching. He coached 371 games, and he only lost to a sub-100 Kempom team twice in those 371 games. Kyle Neptune in 37 games has already done it five times. Lost to a sub-100 Ken Pomptine. Now, I think Jay Wright is the best coach currently living. I truly do believe that. So I, I think it's a little unfair to Kyle Neptune to compare him to Jay Wright because no one is Jay Wright. I don't even think Eric Spolstra or Coach Kyle Jay Wright. Um, but you have to figure if Villanova misses the tournament again this year with this team they have, he has to be on the hot seat, no? Absolutely, I think he has to be on the hot seat. If Because I think that, I mean, honestly, I think that there were some rumblings going into this season. You know, of, uh, I mean, we talked about it. Like, is Neptune really going to be the guy or not? Because of some of the things that took place last year, which you could have said, well, you know, more of his her, stuff like that. But they're coming into this season with, uh, what I consider a really talented roster. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think that 
um, anybody could look at this roster and say, well, you know, they should be playing the way they're playing. They should be. They should get beat by U Penn. No. Um, like you said, it's not really fair to try. You know, compare Neptune to to Jay Wright, one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever. I think, but at the same time, like, is there really? Is there really much to say that like? Has he done anything to kind of prove himself as a good coach? Other than the fact that he worked for Jay Wright and Jay Wright essentially handpicked him? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that he, uh, you know, he, I just can't help but look at this team and think if Jay Wright was coaching this team that he'd be top 10. Be top 10, 10. Easy. Exactly. I think he's probably won the championship with the worst with the team is not as talented as the one he has right now. But. Yeah, probably what that 2016 team, that 2018 team was damn good. But yeah, I think yeah. that 2016 team. 2018 was best of the Knicks, right? <laughs> you know, I was talking about that today. I said, would it shock you if Jay Wright takes an NBA job? And I was like, okay, where would he go? I'm like, imagine if the Knicks have it down to you and they fire Coach Thibodeau. And then all of a yeah. sudden, like Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart and DiVincenzo are all on that team. Would it shock you if Jay Wright took the next job? Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. I but, think that would uh, be the ideal landing spot for one, for an NBA job. Yeah, it'd be a good place to start. But, um, So, you know, I think that he's probably got a – he needs to win this year. Um, it's not looking great so far. I mean, you know, it's early in the year and it's a – it's kind of a rivalry game, you know, big five game or whatever. So he's going to have to let things play out. Villanova is going to have to beat Maryland on Friday, which tomorrow. So by the time people have seen this episode, that's the conclusion of the Gavit games of Maryland and Villanova. Both teams underachieving so far. Both teams had much higher expectations coming to the year than not maybe they should, because Villanova absolutely should have. They might have, if anything, been underrated given the roster. But Villanova's going to win that game on Friday. Tuesday, we saw Duke over Michigan State, which we already talked about. Kansas over Kentucky. All I've heard in the media the last few days about Kansas and Kentucky is that not only were DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards overrated as prospects, but Reed Shepard and Robert Dillingham were underrated as prospects. So, obviously, it's only November. We haven't done our big boards yet. How do you rank those Kentucky freshmen right now? Well, like you said, if you watch the game, you can see, I mean, that uh, Reed Shepard and Rob Dunham are head and shoulders above uh, Evers and Wagner. Just in, you know, as far as the eye test goes, they just – I mean, those two guys took over that game, and I think that had Rob Dillingham not gotten in foul trouble, Kentucky very well might have won that game. Mm-hmm. Rob Dillingham is an absolute bucket. He is a scoring machine. Uh, he's not afraid to go to the basket. He's not afraid to shoot. I think that there are some questions on him coming in because uh, as far as you know how, how big he's going to be, which I think they have him listed at 6'3". Um, 
if he's six three or six four at the combine, you know, I think he's going to shoot up the board. Um, he, uh, you know, I know he, he bounced around some, some as uh, as far as his prep career. So I think there's some questions going in like that, but um, he's been amazing from game one for Kentucky. He's a great and Shepard. Shepard made some great moves towards the basket. Some of the ball handling that I saw out of him in that game was impressive. Like, I came away from that game because I watched a good bit of it. Um, and even though Kansas won and Kansas played a great second half, um, I came away maybe less impressed with Kansas and more impressed with Kentucky. Yeah, I, I look at Dillingham and I'm like, if I'm an NBA executive, which hopefully one day I will be, I'm taking Dillingham over DJ Wagner right now. Obviously, that's based off a small sample size, but Dillingham, I see a lot of Emmanuel quickly. And that's a very good thing. Um, Reed Shepard, I would say probably early second rounder right now. I don't know. I, I need to start putting together my board before I start throwing numbers and comps at guys. But um, yeah, Monday or Tuesday's Gavit Games, Gavit Games, or whatever the hell it's called, you had Marquette go in and beat Illinois. In Illinois, you had Creighton over Iowa and Providence, as we already talked about, killed Wisconsin. Tyler Kolick was questionable going into that Marquette game, and he dominated. I think he had 27 points. I think he might have played every second of the game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he really sass. Um, is Tyler Kolick the best point guard in the country? I'd be, I think he'd be hard-pressed to pick another one. Um, I think it's him or Wade Taylor. Yeah. That was my other guy I was going to say is Wade Taylor. So, yeah, I mean, Tyler Cole an All-American. And this Marquette team, I had them ranked full for a reason. They brought back everyone except Omex Prosper from last year's squad. And the top of the Big East is as strong as it's ever been with them and UConn and Creighton. And hopefully Villanova gets it together. Um, Other news from Tuesday night. USC lost to UC Irvine. However, Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson were both out. So when you're on the committee looking at March Madness at large bids and seating, don't factor that in. They'll say, okay, yes, they did lose to Irvine, but they will say, okay, Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson were both out. So I don't know how much this, it definitely doesn't help them, obviously, but I don't know if it really kills them. Um, Colgate at one point was beating Syracuse by 16 at half and was beating them by as many as 25 at one point. Syracuse came back and won. So we have Syracuse coming back and winning against Colgate, but you have Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame all lose. The bottom of the ACC is bad. You had, again, Georgia Tech lost to UMass Lowell, who's about to beat Arizona State, at least as of this recording. I don't know what the score is at this point, but... You, oh, it's actually tied with 57 with fifty seven seconds left, UMass Lowell and Arizona State. But, yeah, the bottom of the ACC is bad with Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame. I mean, they make Boston College look good, and Boston College is always the bottom dweller of the ACC. So let me ask you, which bottom of the conference is worse? The ACC with those bottom three teams or the Big East? The bottom of the Big East. Who are you calling? Who are you considering the bottom of the Big East? 
The bottom of the Big East, I can go Butler, who I know the three and zero, but they're supposed to be bad this year. DePaul and Georgetown. Would you rather which grouping of three would you rather, you know, have this year, and and like build a competitive? I suppose. Uh, that's- that's tough. Well, Notre Dame is getting blitzed by Auburn right now. Notre Dame's awful. Awful. Twenty down twenty two points in the second half. Louisville uh, awful. Louisville's awful. I think I'm taking the bottom of the, I'm taking the bottom of uh uh the bottom of the Big East. Yeah, I say okay, so you put all three put all six of those teams in a tournament. Right, like who do you think is coming out of that tournament? I Maybe say, Georgetown. I would say Georgia Tech, and I would say I guess Georgetown, but Georgetown just lost to Holy Cross. Yeah, like, they they're bad. DePaul had already a few bad losses. Like, yeah. I don't know. I do think Georgia Tech is the best of those six teams, though. I know they lost to Matt Lowell, but... Last thing to note on Tuesday is that Utah State beats Southern Utah. Darius Brown, we already knew was a baller. That's why we had him come on and do an interview and film session with us. Great Osobor. I knew him through Darius, that he followed from Montana State, followed Danny Sprinkle with Darius to Utah State. This dude put up 31 points. And I think he put up 22 the night before. He is a baller. And he only averaged, I think, 8 points a game at Montana State last year playing behind Raekwon Battle. Yeah, that's crazy. That's an, I, I was looking at him today, too. I was looking at his stats. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, he's coming over. He's he's really been uh, like, the, like the rock of that team as far as I think he's been leading in scoring. Um. They lost to Bradley, but they, you know, that's a pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of a guy that that Darius talked to us about, as uh, you know, somebody to kind of keep our eye on. So, and Ray J. Dennis told us about um, Yves Missy, and now all of a sudden, Sam Vecini's new mock draft, he was a first round pick in there. So yeah, and he's looked, and you've watched him; he's looked really good. Yep. Wednesday. You had the Gavit games. It's now tied three to three, I believe, between the Big Ten and the Big East. Rutgers beat Georgetown. What about Princeton? Princeton has wins over Rutgers, Duquesne, and Hofstra. And obviously, Princeton had made the Sweet 16 last year after upsetting Arizona in round one, but they lost three starters. But they're three and oh suddenly with wins over again. Duquesne, who could win the A10, Rutgers who's a Big Ten school, and Hofstra, who's a pretty good mid-major. So shout-out to Princeton. Shout-out to Princeton. You know, like you said, and another team, the team we talked about earlier, shout-out U.S. Lowell. Like you said, I think they're tied with 30 seconds left, 3-0. You might be going to 4-0. So. U.S. Lowell's good. Uh, we talked about Vermont. We're going to talk about Vermont in a minute, actually, because they're playing in, um, in the Myrtle Beach Classic. But if there was a team that gives them a run at the American East, because there never seems to be a team that does, aside from the one-year UMBC upset Virginia, I think it's UMass Lowell. I, I think they are head and shoulders the second-best team in that conference. Yeah, 
and and might be the team to give them a run for their money this. Are you watching the Missouri game? What 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 did you just say they were down 15 a couple minutes ago? 17. They're down one. I know. I'm watching it right now. Yeah, they can't. Oh. I hope they win just because my guy Dennis Gates. Um yeah, so okay. seven, and New Mexico's on upset alert. Obviously, house is out, but New Mexico's only up one with 27 seconds left. So let's see how that plays out. Utah took the lead over Wake Forest, so up three with three and a half left. But okay. Let's you got Ben Carlson's got 25 points. He's could win. We talked about it before SEC player of the year if they make the tournament. Or not SEC, Pac 12, excuse me. Yeah. Thursday, you and I both tweeted out our Motor Beach and Charleston picks. I believe my Motor Beach picks, I had Wichita State over Charleston. Charleston already lost to Vermont in the first game. You, I believe, had. Who did you have? I already forget. I'll pull it I up. had St. Louis over Furman. St. Louis over Furman, and Furman lost already as well. St. Louis won. So we both have the our runners up out. Wichita State beat Coastal Carolina. St. Louis beat Wyoming. Vermont had a big comeback after being down nine at halftime to Charleston. They end up winning by nine. And Liberty beats Furman. My question for you, Vermont has either won the American the America East Conference, either the conference tournament or the regular season, outright. Nine of the past 11 years. Is it time John Be- John Becker gets a, you know, power conference job? Uh, I mean, maybe. You know, I think he's done, he's done enough to prove that... I think he's done enough to prove that he can, you know, continuously coach teams up to play at a high level. Um, I feel like he's been, you know, they've kind of knocked around him before and he hasn't left. He's only 55 years old, so he has plenty of uh, coaching left. I mean, you talk about those teams uh, at the bottom of the – ACC or um, or the Big East or something like that. I mean, I think it's it would be legitimate to see, you know, maybe give him a shot to move up. I can see him even moving up to a team like, you know, um, I know he's a Northeast guy. Um, not to say that he would necessarily want to stay in the Northeast, but, I mean, if you could look in the Northeast, I, could, I mean, what kind of team do you think he would be interested in coaching? Or he'd leave the job because he's, I mean, he's at Vermont for the rest of his life if he wants to be, obviously. Yeah, he's the all time winningest coach in that program. Um, yeah. This, you know, the school I'm going to say because we actually talked about this earlier today. Yeah. Vanderbilt. If they let Stackhouse go, I think Becker doesn't fit it like a glove, but I think that's a program that, you know, he would do very well at. I mean, I'm thinking like, Butler initially, but the issue with Butler is that they just hired Thad Matter. They're not going to let him go yet. Um, obviously, Georgia Tech just hired Damon Stoudemire. Louisville's not going to hire Becker. They would go after someone bigger. Georgetown just hired um, Coley, so they're not mm-hmm. going to. 
So that's the issue. I mean, I don't see, I think a lot of these, uh, obviously Notre Dame, Desire, Shrewsbury. So I think a lot of these teams that are kind of undergoing rebuilds are just got their coach that they want. So that's why I think it's tough. So that's why I think a team, a program like Vanderbilt, if they let Stackhouse go, would be the ideal fit for a guy like Becker. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, do you think that maybe even like an A-10 job? You think he would leave for an A-10 job? I think he would. Like uh, Richmond, maybe. I can't imagine them letting him go. Rhode Island. A team like Rhode Island is one is in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. Um, Fordham, something like that. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see it. Du- Duquesne's not going to let go of um, let go of their coach, but I- I'm thinking a school like that. What about Loyola Chicago? If they underachieve again, they just had another bad loss. I know they just basically promoted Valentine after Porter Moser left for Oklahoma, but would that shock you? No, I think that would be legit. I, I think a guy like Pat Kelsey would be in line for a job like that. Over Becker, but yeah, I see an A ten school. I see a Vanderbilt. I see a team like that definitely, you know, going after him. In terms of the, let's go to Charleston class because we talked about Myrtle Beach, Charleston. We both had Houston winning. You had Houston over St. John's. I had Houston over Dayton. Dayton had a miraculous comeback to beat LSU with a few seconds left. St. John's beat North Texas by one. Houston beat Towson. And Wake Forest and Utah is a, Utah's up two with a minute forty seven seconds left. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, nothing to add really on that. The Legends Classic, Saint Bonaventure over Oklahoma State, and there was a point today where Saint Bonaventure just lost to Canisius the other day, and Dayton was getting steamrolled by LSU at one point in the second half before winning. And I messaged you and I said. I take back everything I said about the 8-10 being a multi-big lead this year. This is pitiful. Because I think Duquesne just lost um, the other day as well. So I was like, this yeah. is pitiful that, you know, the what the 8-10s do. VCU's bad. So I was like, I, I can't stand it. And then, of course, St. Bonaventure beats Oklahoma State and Dayton beats LSU. And now all is right with the world again. And I'm back on the 8-10 track. <laughs> so, so yeah, th- there you have it. Um, and in terms of the Legend Classic, as we already touched on, Auburn killed Notre Dame. It looks like the final score is eighty three fifty nine. They won that game by twenty four. So there you go. Um, okay. So that's everything that we had to catch up on in terms of games that had been played up till tonight. Friday's games to watch. We have some games to watch up through Monday. Obviously, Monday is the start of Maui. So let's see here. Friday, games to watch. North Texas and LSU in the Charleston Losers bracket. St. Louis and Vermont in the Motor Beach Winners bracket. You pick St. Louis to win the Motor Beach Invitational. St. John's and Dayton in the Charleston winners bracket. You had St. John's losing to Houston. I had Dayton losing to Houston in the championship. So I don't think either of our picks have changed. 
Charleston and Wyoming in Motor Beach Losers Bracket. Here's a fun one. The tournament in the Bahamas. The Baja Mar Hoops Tournament. Georgia and Miami. And then winner plays the winner of Kansas State and Providence. That Kansas State and Providence is going to be a hell of a game. I'm starting to super high on Providence after seeing what they did to absolutely dismantling Wisconsin. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see either one of them play. I think Miami's going to beat Georgia. Um, that'll probably be a pretty good game to watch too, but I'm interested to see Miami play either Kansas State or Providence. Okay, so who wins that tournament? Uh, I think Miami. So, let me talk this out. I think Miami beats Georgia. I think we both agree there. Providence and Kansas State. I want to say Kansas State so badly wins this whole tournament. But unless Naquin Tomlin is back, I mean, he's not going to be able to match up with Ochad O'Meara. In terms of size. Um, and I don't think Providence. I mean, I know they had Josh Adoro who followed Kim in English from George Mason, but I don't know. I, I want to say Miami too, but I, I think I think it could be any of the three, and that's definitely a cop-out answer. But yeah, I, I, I would go with Miami as well. But again, I, I am pretty high. Providence needs to get wins like this because you know they're not gonna win a lot of conference games given, you know, the state of the top of the big east. And then some fun mid-majors. You have the Atlantic Slam. You have Yale and Colgate, which is going to be a hell of a game. Those are two very good mid-majors. We have Michigan and Long Beach State. And you're super high on the Big West this year. So I know you're going to be excited to watch that game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know why I'm so hooked on the Big West this year. But um, Long Beach State. Is uh, playing some good basketball. <laughs> well, you and I you beat DePaul. That's that ball. That was the bad DePaul loss that we were thinking of. Oh, that wasn't that bad though. Yeah, but oh, we were both higher in the Big West because we both love UC Santa Barbara, and then all of a sudden, Ajay Mitchell hasn't played yet this year. So we're gonna have to see how that plays out. Um, Florida and Florida State is on tomorrow. Then we have San Diego State and St. Mary's. Both of these schools desperately need to win this game. St. Mary's obviously just lost to Weaver, and San Diego State obviously just lost to BYU. Neither of these teams can afford to have a losing record at all. No, they can't. Um, this, it seems a little early for his teams to be playing for their loss, but it kind of feels like that in this game. I think both of them kind of had similar expectations throughout the year, and they haven't been uh, quite up to what we thought they were going to be. I'm uh, not to saying that they can't be, but um, and you've seen flashes from both teams. San Diego State's got a good win over Long Beach State, uh, and it's in Vegas, neutral court. That'll be a good. That'll be a good basketball game to watch. Just for basketball fans, you know, not even thinking about the implications and stuff like that. I think both those teams would come out and play really hard. Um, okay, I like the basketball they play. So. Um, and Jaden Ladee has been playing pretty well for San Diego State, too. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. Um, Belmont and Arizona, I'm super excited to see Cade Tyson against 
a team like Arizona, obviously a top-ranked team in the country. I think he might be a legitimate NBA prospect. Then you have Washington and Xavier. I don't think either of those teams make the tournament, but both of these teams need to win this game in order to, you know, later on be considered a bubble team. So I'm interested to see how that game plays out. Then there's two Gavit game tournaments. You have Butler versus Michigan State, which Michigan State better hope it's not even a close game. And Villanova and Maryland, as we talked about earlier, both those teams desperately need to win that game. So Friday, there's a lot of games of teams that just need to get these wins. So I'm interested to see how, you know, tomorrow night plays out. It's going to be a fun slate. Yeah, and don't forget San Francisco and Grand Canyon. Ooh, that is the good one that I must have um, had. Arizona tip-off. Then Saturday, the only game to watch I put down was Mississippi State and Washington State. Mississippi State is rolling without Tolu Smith. Shaquille Moore is back from suspension, so that'll help them immensely. Missouri State just needs to stay afloat until January until Tolu can come back. And, you know, I, I think they're a very, very, very good team still. Sunday games to watch, you're going to have the Boulder Beach Championship. We talked a little bit about that. The Baja Mark Hoops tournament we already talked about. That would be Providence, Kansas State, Miami, and Georgia, the winner of those two games. Empire Classic. I am going. I will be in attendance at Madison Square Garden. I'm not as excited as it was when I bought the tickets, though. Indiana doesn't look that good. And again, that goes back to... We talked about the Big Ten, you know, kind of losing some of its luster this year so far. Indiana hasn't looked good. It's UConn versus Indiana. UConn is coming off a game where Stephon Castle sat out. So I, I think it loses some luster, obviously, if Stephon Castle sits out. I'm traveling all the way up to MSG. I hope he's playing. And I'm going to see my guy, Donovan Klingon. And then Indiana, Kaleo Ware, I think today had 22-12. and 12. Your guy, Malik Renault. Looks great. Xavier Johnson looks good. So I'm excited for that game. I do think UConn wins pretty handily, but the other game, Texas-Louisville, Louisville Louisville is awful. Texas basically has a bye, essentially, to the championship of the Empire Classic. That's how bad. Louisville lost to Chattanooga and barely beat, um, was it Western Carolina? Some school like that. But yeah, who wins the Empire Classic? UConn, Indiana, or Texas? Because you know it's not going to be Louisville. I think it's going to be UConn, and I know I've been kind of going chalky on these things. Um, I think it's it's UConn. Uh, if I had a, Texas could win it too. Um, I think it depends on the health of some of those players, I guess, for UConn. A healthy UConn, I think, it's, wins it pretty easily. Maybe I think they could outscore Texas. Um, I'm not concerned about Indiana and that thing. Watch Indiana win it now. We kind of talk shit on them, but um, I mean, two tough wins: UConn and then Texas to win both of those. If you're Indiana, yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> it's tough for anybody to beat UConn in Texas. Yep, on a neutral uh, court too. On a neutral court too, but you know, what I was thinking about, you know, hopefully Stephon Castle gets the plan. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, you got your guy Donovan Klingon. Uh, if anything else, like this is a this is a pretty good little recruiting trip for you to do for your NBA draft prep. You know, you get to see Mackenzie Ibaka, Malik Renault, 
Stefan Castle, you know, Alex Caravan, who I'm a little bit higher on than you are, Dylan Mitchell, who I'm a whole lot higher on than you are. Well, you asked me the other day when we were talking about the Empire Classic, you said, how many first-round picks are you going to see there? And you said, was the over-under four and a half? And I said, I'm glad that's the line you made because I think it's firmly four. And then you started naming additional guys that could be first-round picks. So when you said four and a half, I thought, okay, you have two on UConn and Castle and Klingon. You were thinking maybe Caravan. I was thinking... Indiana, probably Mbaco. That's three. Maybe Kaleo Ware would be four. Then Texas, I didn't think I, I'm not how Dylan Mitchell's a prospect, as you know. Um, and Louisville, there's nobody that really sticks out. Treading Flowers obviously left the program. So that's why I wanted the line of four and I took the undone four and a half. You would need all four of those guys to be firm first round picks plus Caravan or Dylan Mitchell to sneak into the first round. I Maybe Caravan. I'm not a Dylan Mitchell guy, but I, I don't know. Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson were first-round picks, just basically based off their athleticism. Zion Smith was a borderline lottery pick, for Christ's sakes, just based off athleticism. So would it shock me if a team took Dylan Mitchell in the first round? No. But that team would not be me. Yeah, I think four and a half is a fair line. Um, you know, especially and not really qualifying, you know, how, how many do we think we're going to be 2024 first round picks? You know, but even that being said, I mean, you could very well see maybe three possibly four uh, lottery picks in the draft. You know, I think you know, between Castle, and, you know, so yeah, you get to see some good basketball players, man. Even for some of the, you know, some of the games. Hopefully, Castle will be back. It it doesn't sound like Castle's that hurt, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're trying to save him up for the Empire Classic. Quick, uh, quick score update before we talk about Maui. New Mexico without Jalen House ends up winning by two. At the last second, Missouri comes back and beats Minnesota in Minnesota. So good for them. Missouri wins. Arizona State beats UMass Lowell. All three of these are two-point games. New Mexico one by two. Missouri one by two. Arizona State one by two. Utah. I texted you and said, how the hell is Wake Forest plus six and a half to Utah? And we both said they'll win outright. Utah won. They won by seven. They still found a way to cover the spread by half a point. What a bad beat. Such a bad beat. That's crazy. And I don't know. I'm still pretty high in Wake Forest. Hunter Salas looks great, by the way. Um, I'm still higher on them. It's just I don't know if the ACC has a pout. The, the, you know, I'm down on the ACC a little bit. So I don't see Wake Forest. You know, going 10-8 and eight and getting in, I think they had to do some work in the non-conference schedule. They lost to Georgia. They lost to Utah. I, I just don't see how they get in the tournament unless they finish top four in the ACC. And at this point, I would say you have Duke, Carolina, Miami. You all agree those teams are ahead of Wake Forest. Absolutely. Virginia and Clemson. Yes. Syracuse. Maybe. Pitt. Probably not. Virginia Tech. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of the line. Okay. So at best, we have Wake Forest the seventh, and I don't think ACC gets seven teams in. So yeah, they might can pull out the six, but because it is, it is a team that's transfer heavy. Um, with not a lot of experience playing together that could jail as the season goes on. But I'll tell you something, that team does not play defense. Uh, they didn't play defense last year, which I know is like you know, different cast, different characters, whatever. But um, I think defense has been a problem in Wake Forest for the past few seasons. And I don't see that turning around whatsoever. So, you know, even if they were to make it, as a you know, the sixth team out of the ACC, you gotta be able to play defense, defense rebounds. You know, you just can't. Uh, I think in the college basketball games we're seeing it right now, you can't just ever score outscore people. You know? Yeah, that's fair. I'm looking. Cameron Hildreth at 14, Hunter Salas at 20. So I mean, good for them. Um, okay. Last game on Sunday, Boise State and Clemson. I'm super excited for. As I said, I'm super high on Clemson. Boise might be the second best team in the Mountain West. They might be the best team in the Mountain West, especially San Diego State. All of a sudden, has a losing record. Um, Monday's games to watch. We're going to conclude with Maui. Maui is obviously the big, um, the big thing to watch on Monday. God, I wish we were there. I looked at tickets, and tickets were like fifteen hundred dollars for the whole tournament. Something ridiculous for the whole tournament. Um, Virginia, Wisconsin, Wisconsin needs this win so badly. They cannot fall to one and three. I know the losses would be to Providence, Virginia, and Tennessee, but Wisconsin cannot fall to one and three. I will not allow it. (laughs) Well, you might need to get out there and help them out a little bit because, uh, Virginia is a tough game. Yeah. I don't know. Is that on the neutral court? Is that in Wisconsin? I don't know where that game is. Let me take a quick look. Monday, Wisconsin and Virginia. Fort Myers, so neutral court. Bradley and Tulane, I think, is going to be a great game as well. I agree. I love both those teams. Okay. Let me pull up and we'll conclude the episode with this. Maui Invitational Bracket. So the Maui field is absolutely loaded. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to basically give our Maui rankings 1 to 8 based off the bracket. So hold on, let me just grab this pen. Let me grab this pen and write this down. Because as we said, the Maui field is loaded. So game one, Tennessee and Syracuse. Tennessee is my national champion. By the way, three of my four teams in the final four I predicted this year are playing in Maui, just to give an, an aspect of how deep this field is. Yeah. So, Tennessee or Syracuse? Tennessee. Okay. So, we both agree on that for game one. Game two, Purdue and Gonzaga. I had Tennessee winning it all. I had them beating Purdue in the national championship. I love Gonzaga, but I'm going to go with Purdue, especially with Seal Bento's out. Same. 
Okay, so this one could do. Game three, Kansas and Shamanade. I'm just going to put you down for Kansas. I don't know how they get in this tournament every year. Weren't they in Maui last year, too? Uh, Shamanade? Yeah, aren't they a D2 school? Yeah, it's their tournament. Oh, that explains it then. Yeah, they play it every year. They beat, so I think they beat uh, Virginia with Ralph Sampson. Um, that's like the legendary Maui Invitational story. Oh, the more you know. Game four, UCLA and Marquette. Uh, Marquette. Okay, so right now we are all chalk. But honestly, Tennessee, Purdue, Kansas, and Marquette, I think are the top four in my rankings I submitted for the top 25 on Monday. Let me take a quick look. Those four teams are the teams I have ranked one, two, three, and four in my rankings. I have Kansas one, Purdue two, Tennessee three, Marquette four. So yeah, I have those four teams. Obviously, Duke, I think, goes in though now that they beat Michigan State. But those four teams are my four highest ranked teams going into this week in the country. And they're all playing in Maui. Again, just to give context of how elite this Maui field is. So game five would be loser's bracket, Syracuse and Gonzaga. Um, I think I'll take Gonzaga. I'm going to take Syracuse. I like the backcourt. I think the offense, there's going to be no defense played in that game, but I think the offense is a lot more dynamic. Than Gonzaga, yeah, especially with I love Gonzaga, but I just think that's a game that like not a good matchup for them. Um, Shamanade and UCLA. UCLA. Okay, so we'll both take UCLA. Okay, game seven. This is the winners bracket. Tennessee and Purdue. That's my national championship right there. Yeah, and I got Tennessee in this game. Okay, I'm going to go Purdue. I know I have Tennessee winning the national championship over Purdue, but I don't know. These teams are so evenly matched. I could see Purdue winning this one, Tennessee getting them later on in the year. Um, So let me do that. I'll take Purdue. Game 8, Kansas and Marquette. I'm taking Marquette. I'm going to take Kansas, but again, this one's a toss-up because I think if there's anybody who could throw down Tyler Cole, it could be Dijon Wagner or Dijon Dijon Harris. Excuse me. Um, I I yeah. think he's the Evan McCuller had a bad game against Kentucky and still had a triple double. And I don't know if um, Oso Iguodaro is going to be able to stop Hunter. Dickinson. That's the thing, Hunter Dickinson, too. You know. I don't know if they have a good matchup player for him. So, okay. I don't know if they do. So, game nine is for third place. This is confusing. I should have just printed out the bracket, honestly. Um, Game nine would be who? 
UC, it'd be for third place. So it would be the two losers. It would be Jesus. John, you should have done this. I don't know why we put me in charge of this. I know it's it's not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yours would be so so yours would be uh, Tennessee and uh, and Marquette. Marquette, yeah. So I'm gonna write third place. I'll give it to Tennessee, which means Marquette gets fourth place. So yours would be Purdue, Kansas. So who do you have winning that game? I really want to see that game. <laughs> I want to see all these games. I I, is, oh, that's a good I, game. I think yeah, I think Kansas I think Kansas wins that game. But can you imagine Purdue or Kansas losing two games? I mean, one of them are going to, and uh, one of the teams. Let's say Tennessee wins the tournament. They would be beating Syracuse, Purdue, or Gonzaga, Kansas, UCLA, or Marquette to win the whole thing. Like that's yeah. one of these teams are going to have a great resume builder at the end of this. Let's go to first and second place real quick. So my first place would be between. Kansas and Purdue, which was your third place game. Oi. I'm going to give it to Purdue. I'll have Purdue winning Maui, Kansas getting second, Tennessee getting third, Marquette getting fourth. You would have who? Tennessee and Marquette. Yeah, and I think that. That's another good game. I think I might give Marquette the win over Tennessee. If Marquette wins Maui, that would be huge for the entire Big East. Yeah. Now watch Marquette get beat by UCLA. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Really wouldn't. No. UCLA is a pretty good team, man. I've been telling you all year. I'll see off season. You're going into this season. I just like Marquette. I like that Marquette matchup against Tennessee. I think that would be a really good game. Um, that's two teams that have a lot of continuity going. That could play tough defense. Um, honestly, you know, if I'm trying to figure out where I want to give the edge, I think it's Kolick. You know? Yeah. No. And again, we just said Kolick is probably the best point guard in the country. Um, could you imagine Syracuse came out and just won Maui? They beat That'd Tennessee. Be they beat Tennessee, then Purdue, then either Kansas or Marquette. Yeah, like where are they ranked after that? That would have to be the biggest jump for a team that went unranked into the rankings ever, right? <laughs> if they beat Tennessee, Purdue, and Kansas or Marquette, they would have to be top ten. Yeah, at least top fifteen. But probably top 10 if they beat, because those are all top 10 teams. Yeah, there you go. So, okay. I'm excited. 
super excited for Maui. Again, it is feast week, and we didn't even get to anything beyond Monday. Maui's obviously a multiple-day affair. So, yeah. John and I are – you guys will hear this episode on Friday. John and I are going to try to get another episode off Saturday. To be honest, we covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about on Saturday today. So maybe Saturday we'll do something not related currently to the season. I've been wanting to do something like where do – who's coaching each of the power conference schools in five years from now. Maybe John and I could put something together and do something like that on Saturday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, yeah, we have a bunch of things in the works, some more player interviews, a whole bunch of things. So you guys just keep following on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. That's N-B-A-G-E-L-L. You can follow John on Twitter, John Simpson 42. And, yeah, great review, Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And John and I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. And, Happy Feast Week. Happy Feast Week.